Well, what a great way to hear and to experience the words of Jesus on this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday. And let's begin this time with prayer. God, we do give you praise for the ways in which we see where you are alive. And we pray on this Sunday, Lord, that we would be a resurrection people. That we would come alive to the places in which you are alive. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. So a couple of weeks ago, when you all uh, were down at the beach... um, my family and I uh, went to the, um, the, the most sought-after spring break uh, vacation spot, which was uh, Marion, Indiana. Now, if you're from Marion, it's a great place. It may not be the most popular place on spring break, but it was a great place nonetheless. And not only were we in Marion, Indiana, but we went roller skating at Idlewild Skating Rink. couple rollers out there. I'm feeling you. It was amazing. And it was just everything, right? This is mostly, this, this story is mostly for people in their 40s and older. It was everything that you could, you know, remember, right? You walk in, the blaring rock music, the disco ball in the middle, the, you know, the, the, the smells, the, the brown uh, uh, roller skates that you had to make sure you tucked the shoelaces in before you returned them or you'd get yelled at by the worker. It was, it was really amazing. And I, I haven't been roller skating in a couple decades, and so I, I was kind of nervous. I didn't know how well I would do if I'd still have the moves that once made me a legend at the rink. And so, but after a few minutes, sure enough, there I was, a little wobbly, but I was doing pretty good. Megan was pretty impressed with how I got my roll on. And, and I was, to be honest, I was pretty impressed, actually, with, with her moves as well. And I, I kind of kept waiting for the DJ to kind of come over and be like, Couple skate, couple skate only. Remember that? And so that we could go and kind of show off our moves. Oh, it was going to be phenomenal. But he never did. Well, the reason why we were there was because of the fact that my cousin has two sons and they had a birthday party there. And so we went in order to celebrate this birthday party. They were turning us. eight and ten, and so it was going to be a, a big celebration, and I started thinking about how odd is it that we would travel up an hour and a half away in order to celebrate that they'd lived another 365 days, right? But I started thinking about it, and the reality is that we are almost born as a people who love to celebrate. We love a party. And in the next few months, of course, we're going to have graduation parties that are going to be coming out left and right. And and there are going to be moving parties, promotion parties. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much at all for us to want to celebrate, to gather together with friends and family in order to celebrate and to party for whatever it might be, whatever reason. And the reason, then, that we are here this morning, of course, is in order to celebrate. Uh, not not Jesus' birthday. We do that at Christmas. But Jesus' re-birthday, if you will. The day that Jesus was raised from the dead. We gather together today in order to celebrate. 
Most of us, the vast majority of us, aren't here because we've never heard the story, and this is going to be the first time that we've heard it. Uh, uh, Most of us, the vast majority of us, we know that we didn't come thinking that the sermon is going to tell us anything unexpected that we've never heard before, right? You have low expectations, I hope. And we, we don't come for that reason. We come because we know that it is important to celebrate the day that Jesus was raised from the dead, the day when death has lost its sting. And so on Easter Sunday, we get dressed up, right? We've made reservations or we prepared for Easter brunch and, and we, we have flowers. The staff has been working all week to try to make sure that nothing would get in the way of the celebration. We have more musical instruments than we usually do. We put out almost 200 more seats in the sanctuary. We do all of these things because we want there to be as much room as possible for as many people as possible to come together and to celebrate Easter. Now, if you come here very much at ZPC, you know that oftentimes I do all of that and kind of setting people up, and then I say, well, we're getting it all wrong. But I'm not doing that today. Because I think that that's why we are here. The right reason to come is to give praise and to celebrate what Jesus has done. And I think in all honesty... That what we need, this community of faith, the community around us, our country and our world, in a time like this, is to come together and to celebrate that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Amen? We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Now, part of the reason why we celebrate is because we need to remember That the resurrected Savior meets us wherever it is that we find ourselves. A couple of weeks ago, I did a sermon on death. I don't think I've ever preached on death before. And and, and the reason why, as I told those who were gathered on that Sunday, is is because of the reality that, that this congregation, since last Easter, has mourned many things. One of those things being the death of of three people who were far too young. And so that's been a challenging year for many of us, for the friends and family of those who passed away, for us as a community of faith, for the pastor. It's been a a rough year in many ways. And, and, And one of the things that we talked about two weeks ago was the fact that we believe as a Christian people, as followers of Jesus, that we are called not to ignore death, but actually to wrestle with the pain and the struggle and the strife of death and brokenness. That we're called to do that, but we're also called to say in the midst of that, that there is still hope. One of the great things about the Gospels, particularly Matthew 28, I find, when he talks about the resurrection, is how brutally honest Matthew is. Matthew says that the two women were going to the tomb, he says, very explicitly. And then all of a sudden, the angel appears and says, Hey, I know you're looking for the resurrected Savior, which I think he was kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt, because I don't think that's what they were really looking for. But they probably said, Yeah, sure, that's exactly what we were looking for. He says, Don't worry. Just like I've told, just like Jesus told you many times before, he's not here. He has been raised from the dead. Now, don't be afraid, but look in the tomb. 
and quickly go tell the disciples that he's on his way to Galilee, that they can meet him on a mountain in Galilee. And so the two women, they, they look in, it seems, and they grow. We t- we're told that they start running. But what does Matthew say? Matthew says that they were running with joy and with listening with joy and with fear the angel says don't be afraid and they're still and all of a sudden who meets them there Jesus the resurrected Savior meets them right in the midst of their joy and their fear Jesus doesn't say, well, as soon as you're done being afraid or having worries or being concerned about this or that, then I will meet you. The resurrected Savior says, I will meet you right there. And then at the end of the chapter, this is a fascinating part of the passage, we're told the disciples, they find Jesus, the resurrected Savior, on a mountain in Galilee, right? And so they go and they begin to worship him. That makes sense, right? And of course Matthew would share that. But then he goes on to say, But some doubted. How refreshingly honest of Matthew to be able to tell us, yes, i got to be completely clear with you here. Some people were, they they were worshiping, but there were some people who were doubting. Right, That even though the risen Savior was right there in front of them, there were some of them that were still rubbing their eyes to make sure that they were thinking what they thought they were thinking thinking or seeing what they thought they were seeing. There were, there were others who just wrestled with saying, is this even possible? But guess what? Where is Jesus? He's right there in the middle of their doubts. In fact, Jesus, who knew that they were doubting, still said, you're going to go and do this mission. He still gave them the great commission to go and to baptize and to make disciples, all of those things. Jesus didn't say, well, as soon as this little group over here is doubting, kind of gets everything settled, then you can follow me. Jesus said, in the midst of your doubting, in the midst of your fear, you can keep following me and I will show up. And to me, that is something to celebrate. That no matter where you may be in the midst of this journey that you are on of faith, whether or not you are in a particularly strong time full of joy and worship, and this Easter Sunday is a great kind of culmination of your faith, or whether or not you have serious doubts about how anyone could be raised from the dead, Jesus, the resurrection, the hope of our Lord says, I will meet you right where you are. We celebrate Easter Sunday. But not only do we celebrate that Jesus meets us right where we are, we also celebrate the fact that in order to follow Jesus, it is the hope of the resurrection of the Savior that allows us to do the mission that he has called us to, in spite of any concerns or mixed emotions we may have. It is hope. It is the hope of the resurrection that allows us with energy and passion and joy to continue to follow him wherever it is that he takes us. The resurrection is not, in other words, just something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's not just something that you will experience whenever it is that you pass or when Jesus returns. It is something that shapes and changes your life today. Almost uh, eight years, or eight years or so, I should say, ago, 
my wife and I went over to Germany uh, because to visit my sister who was living there at the time. And before we went over, she said, you know, we've got this thing. It's called a Frankenstein run. We've never done it. Would you want to do it? And I thought, ah, sure, whatever. We're up for anything. And so it's a run. It would kind of go a, a run. It would go up this kind of forested path up a small mountain up to uh, where Frankenstein Castle was. And so Sure enough, we showed up. A couple days later, we were ready to go. Now, my brother-in-law just happened to get called in to work that day so that he couldn't go on the run with us. And then as we're leaving, he said, you know, I've heard it's okay. It's just the last part that's supposed to be really steep. Oh, I mean, how bad could it be? So it was me and my sister and uh, her six-year-old son, her three-year-old daughter, her, her baby daughter, my pregnant wife, and I. And so, what could go wrong? So we begin the journey. We'd gone about a quarter of a mile, which was paved, and then we kind of moved into, uh, into the forested part, if you will. And, and just about the time we made that turn, I said to my sister, you know, it can't be that bad. It's just, you know, I mean, eight kilometers is really not that far. And she said, Jerry, it's eight miles. I thought she was kidding, and I said, stop. It's eight miles, Jerry. All right, I'm sure we're going to be fine. I mean, how bad could it be? And so we started going. I had the double stroller at the beginning. There were no kids in it at this time because the six-year-old and three-year-old were full of joy and energy. My sister had the baby stroller, so we went on. It took about two miles until my nephew and my niece were, uh, were getting very tired, and my nephew was very husky. It's helpful for now when he's in high school as a football player, not helpful when you're pushing a six-year-old husky kid. And my three-year-old niece, and they were getting hungry, and they were getting tired, and so we sat them down. And it took less than two miles for my wife to begin getting very hungry, which happens when you're pregnant and you're not realizing that it's going to be eight miles, not eight kilometers. But we kept going. We felt okay. But the miles kept going. And we had no idea how long it had been. We didn't have GPS or anything. But what I do know is it started getting really steep. And there were some big roots that were right in the middle of the pathway. And so we'd go, and I'd kind of have to push it over, and we'd keep going. And I kept thinking to myself, well, maybe my brother-in-law was wrong. Surely he was wrong. Surely he meant the middle part is the steepest part. <laughs> That's not what he meant. I was dying. My nephew and my niece were incessantly complaining. I was, at moments, I kid you not, I was parallel to the ground as I kept trying to push it up, almost toppling. Actually, one time toppling the children out as we hit a root. There I was. My wife was about 20 or 30 yards back, weeping. <laughs> that is no joke. But we kept going. And the reason why we kept going was not because we were feeling good, not because we were having fun, not because it was enjoyable. The reason why we kept going is because my sister kept saying, at the top, there's food and a bus ride home. <laughs> In other words, she kept telling us, there is hope. And so we kept going. Step after step, roll after roll, we kept going because every time that we'd say, we don't think we can do it, Sherry would say, there's food and a bus. 
And so we kept going. Now, were there times when I thought there's no way we're going to make it? Absolutely. Were there times when I was pretty certain that the bus was going to have already left because we had to be at least an hour or more behind the very last people? You know there were those times. Were there times when I thought Megan is never going to forgive me? She still hasn't actually forgiven me for that. But we kept bowing because my sister kept saying that there was hope until finally we reached the top of the mountain. We saw the food, which was like a little granola bar, not very happy. We got in the bus and we went home. Hope helped us to continue no matter what position or place we were in. The angel said to the two women disciples, Tell my men, tell the brothers that I love to go and to meet me in Galilee. Galilee from Jerusalem is not eight kilometers away. It's not eight miles away. It is over 80 miles away. Jesus could have met them anywhere. But he chose a place that was more than 80 miles away. And what we get to discover is just how full of hope the disciples were. Because it is only hope in a resurrected Savior that says we will continue to keep walking. I'm sure there were times when they wondered who's going to meet us here. I'm sure there were times when they wondered, are these women, are they they right? Are they being crazy? Is this really happening? I'm sure there were times when they were bickering. I'm sure there were times when they were hungry. And yet they kept going because the hope that Jesus might just be alive told them keep walking, keep going. And when they arrived, Jesus knew that he had a group of disciples who were full enough of hope to walk 80 miles. And that's the kind of people that you can tell to make disciples and to baptize them and to share the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. A kind of people who are full of hope to say that they will never give up. We gather in order to be reminded of the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Because, brothers and sisters, this is a hope that this world is desperately in need of. But it won't come easily. And amidst the darkness, amidst the strife of our society and our world, amidst the conditions where war might break out at any moment, amidst the poverty and the racism that we see daily, amidst all of these things, we there needs to be a people who go out to say, smells like resurrection. Because everyone else is going to grow weary or grow cynical or just ignore it or just give up. And there needs to be a group of people who say, as long as Jesus has been raised from the dead, we will keep going into the darkest of places, into the places that are most dead, because we believe that Jesus can make anything come to life again. And so we celebrate the hope of the resurrection. But not only do we celebrate the fact that the resurrected Savior will meet us wherever we are, not only do we celebrate the fact that we believe the hope of Jesus is what keeps us going day after day after day, but we gather together because Jesus has chosen to use not one Easter person, but an Easter people, a community of Keep in mind that in this particular story, the women go out not alone, but with one another. 
When the disciples are told to go to Galilee, they all go together. In the Gospel of Luke, on the road to Emmaus, as, people would, as the disciples were walking and the resurrected Savior showed up, there were not just one person, there were two people. Jesus has chosen to use a resurrected people, a community. N.T. Wright uh, has this quote here where he says, A mission-shaped church must have its mission shaped by hope. That the genuine Christian hope rooted in Jesus' resurrection is the hope for God's renewal of all things. That Jesus wanted a community of hope to come together in order to fulfill his mission. In order to renew all things. I was reading a book earlier this week that was talking about comparing Lent to Easter. And it said that Lent is oftentimes when we give up something that may be inhibiting our growth in Jesus. And, and he said, you know what, that's a bit like when you go out into your yard and you start weeding. That's what that is, or pulling up ivy, anything that's inhibiting the growth of one's yard, of grass or flowers, anything like that. He said, but Easter, first of all, is much more than just one day. And that if we spend 40 days in Lent, we should spend at least 40 days in Easter asking, what can we plant? What can we fertilize? What can we water? What can we do to help our faith to grow? And as I thought about that notion of us being a community, an Easter people full of hope, and I thought about the fact of how it takes all of us in order to help things grow, in order to make alive that which is dead, I began to think about my own yard. Now, if you've been here very long at all, you know that I hate yard work. But I want you to know in the last two weeks... I have spent more time in my yard than I have in the previous two decades. I am not kidding. And if you've ever driven by my yard, you will know that that is true. I hate yard work. But two weeks ago, I went out and cut down a big overgrown evergreen that was in our front yard, that was in the sidewalk, that was over into my neighbor's yard, that had killed all the grass around it. We cut that thing down and I hauled it off, had the stump ground down. Last weekend, my dad was in town, and, and, and so there was, there was planting, there was weeding, there was trimming back bushes, there was putting in one new tree and buying another tree that I'm going to put in tomorrow. I mean, all of these things that were being done. It's not completely accurate to say I did these things. Because actually, and I just started thinking about this three or four days ago, it was actually a ZPCer, a member of the Easter community, who came over to help me to cut down the tree, to help me. He cut down the tree. It was another ZPC or another, another Easter uh, a person who, who actually gave the ladder to me so that we could get up the tree and begin to cut it down. It was another ZPC or another Easter community uh, a, a gentleman who, who let us use his trailer and, and then who helped us to haul it off. There were two other ZPCers, two other members of the Easter community who came over or who gave me recommendations for someone to ground out that stump. It was a, an Easter community member, a ZPCer who gave me a gift card for love 
Lowe's that I finally actually used to buy some tools. I didn't even know that there was a Lowe's to buy some tools. It was, a, it was another Easter, remember, another ZPCer who, who let me use a spreader in order to spread out the weed and feed. There were several uh, ZPCers, Easter community people, who drove by, and when they saw us out there, first of all, we're like, and secondly, who offered words of encouragement to us. My point is that this lawn that was seemingly dead, it took a whole Easter community to try to help bring it back to life again. And what I want you to know is this, I kid you not, the world around us was paying attention. There were so many people who began to slow down as they saw us outside working on that yard. There were people who were commenting, right, saying things, right? I mean, we've set a very low bar, and I think they're finally hopeful. They're like, hey, wow, you did a great job of mowing. That's incredible. Hey, thanks. Uh, All of these kind of words of encouragement. And neighbor, I don't think he's here, who I know or I'm about 90% sure, does not like me very much, he came over just to initiate a spontaneous conversation about things, about grass, about life. All of these things that were happening. Why? Because an Easter community had surrounded us and said this which appears to be dead is not yet dead. Now my point, let me be clear, is not that Jesus died and was raised again so that Jerry and Megan could have a lawn that doesn't look like it's dead. My point is, however, that what this world needs, I am convinced of it, is a group of people, a community of people who say we will look around for those places that seem like they are dead and we will together, by the power of the resurrected Savior, come in and help to make that which is dead alive. It is not easy, which is why we have to keep thinking about and reflecting on the hope of Jesus Christ. But I am convinced, brothers and sisters, that we gather together on this Sunday in order to celebrate the Savior who says, you, each and every one of you, is called to go out as a people of hope and to never give up, no matter what you may face, no matter what fear or what doubt or what struggle or what death may face you, that death will not have the last word, that the broken will be made whole, that those who have sinned will be made complete, that Jesus is here and that Jesus is alive. And so we gather together, party it up today in order to celebrate the fact that he is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we know that you have been risen. And it is because of that, Lord, that we do not give up. I know, Lord, that there are some here who may question and some here who may doubt. And my hope and my prayer, Lord, is that they will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are there with them even in that place. That they might have the courage, Lord, to walk with you no matter what fears or doubts that they may have. 
I pray for all of us, Lord, as we continue to walk towards the mission to which you have called us, that we, because of the hope that we find in you, that we will have the energy and the passion and the joy to keep going no matter what. And God, as we look around at one another, my hope and my prayer is that we see not just fellow worshipers, but fellow workers. That we would know that these are our brothers and sisters in Christ with whom we are called to join together in order to bring life where it seems only death may prevail. Give us the hope to celebrate your resurrection. It's in your name we pray. Amen.